Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. We're gathering around two passages today. The first one is that I'll read is the last verses of Matthew's gospel, a passage that is often called the Great Commission, as Jesus, after his resurrection, gives instructions to his followers. And the second uh, is quite similar, actually. In John, Jesus gives a commandment to his followers uh, where he is again focused on those beyond. As, as we come to these ancient words, let us uh, first join together in prayer. Gracious God, our need for you is unending, and it is your word and your word alone that provides life to us. So we are hungry, O oh God. We are expectant. We are in need. We are here, and we are listening. Speak to us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Let us listen for God's word for us. First from Matthew. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When, he, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am always with you to the end of the age. And this from the Gospel of John. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So I don't know, it's completely speculation, but I wonder sometimes if the disciples found Jesus just a tad annoying at times. He had a particular habit that I think I might have found annoying and wonder if those who spent the most time with him may have, because even when he's right there with you, even when he's teaching you or healing you or opening your eyes to see the truth of this world, he's at the same time just a bit distracted. He glances over your shoulder to the world out there, because it becomes pretty clear that Jesus could never stop thinking about the whole world. That's how Matthew's gospel ends. For 28 chapters, the disciples are told to follow Jesus. 
Come, follow me. And they do. They follow him by the sea. They follow him on the sea. They follow him while he teaches them and preaches and heals. They follow him to the cross and to the empty tomb. And after 28 chapters of following, he says something astonishing. He says, not come, follow me, but go. And not just go, but go among the Gentiles. They did not anticipate this. No one would have expected the Jewish Messiah to send his followers among the Gentiles. But it seems to be the whole point of his ministry. He just couldn't stop thinking about the world. John's gospel is the same. As I indicated, Jesus gathers his disciples in what was one of the most intimate moments. He said, you know, I love you. I have given everything that is mine to give to you. And now I want you to love one another in the same way, with the same sacrifice, the same fidelity, the same commitment. You love one another just as I have loved you. And in that moment where they felt so intimate, then Jesus says, how else are they going to know that you belong to me? unless you live like I live and love like I love. I don't know if they found it annoying, but they probably found it a bit intimidating to love like Jesus loves. He's constantly calling them and us to do that which seems unreasonable to forgive 70 times seven, to take up our own cross, to go the second mile, to turn the other cheek. He constantly calls us to do that which he did. And he seems to think we can too. He seems to have more faith in us than we have in ourselves. But perhaps the most demanding, the most intimidating is he never stops thinking about the whole world, so the church can't either. The great ends of the church, they speak of the reasons that the church exists. We've been going over this now. This is our fifth week, and all of the great ends are grand in scheme and focus and can leave ordinary folk like you and me uh, feeling less than up to the task, but none of them as much as this one. The great end of the church says this, the church exists to be an exhibition of the kingdom of heaven to the world. We are to show the world what God's promised day looks like. Well, this is like all the others, clearly an already not yet reality. It's true in times and in ways the church has shared the love of God with a hungry world, but the church has also fallen short at times and embarrassed our Lord and ended up hurting those we were called to love. So the church embraces this great end, not because we have a sense of confidence about ourselves or because our track record indicates we're the right people for the job, but because we know it's what our Lord expects of us. So we live toward that day, and we seek to show the world 
the love of Christ. You know, I have, uh, I've traveled to a number of places to see the church. I was in Nicaragua during wartime, and I was in Sudan during the same. In both countries, I met faithful Christians who were trying to show their world the love of Christ. I've worshipped in Ghana, West Africa. They knitted this Kentacloth stole for me there. I've been in Chile and Argentina. In Argentina, they found a bilingual service that we could attend. I was so grateful until I got there and discovered that it was in Spanish and German. <laughs> That's bilingual. I just, I didn't understand it twice. I've broken bread in the West Bank of Israel. I have danced in the aisles in Kenya and have talked with folks about Jesus in the Dominican Republic. More places than not, you can travel this world and there you'll find the church. It's come a long way from those early disciples going among the nations. But this great end reminds us that as important as that work has been, the calling to us as the church is less to make our neighbor Christian, it's more to be Christian to our neighbor. It's less to Christianize the whole world. It is to make sure that we are Christian in this world. We endeavor to be Christ to others. It's a big command. But you do it well at times. You do. Some of you have experienced firsthand some of our trips and partnerships with, with churches across the globe. We have a long-standing uh, inspiring partnership in the Dominican Republic. One of our largest groups is preparing to go next month. Sally Wright will be leading them on that trip. We partner with our sister churches in this presbytery to engage in mission in Thawake, Kenya, a mission that is inspired by our brother, Reverend David Zioka. Dr. Ted Higgins has privileged us with an opportunity to support the Higgins Brothers Surgery Center of Hope in Haiti, a nation desperate for the kind of care that his mission provides. And some of you have traveled to the U.S.-Mexico border and there experienced ministry among the migrant people, humanizing what is otherwise just a news story. I want us to remember a little bit today just a glimpse of what all of these missions are about. Let's take a moment just for a glimpse. Hi, my name is Lauren Packer and I am from Kansas City. This is my second time working alongside the Fundación Enciende Una Luz here. Throughout the week, we work in bates, which are primarily made up of the Haitian community. We work together to promote general health awareness with programs such as child health promotion or HIV health promotion. Uh, we've also been packaging um, food for those in need to distribute. I encourage you to come volunteer with us and learn and grow and see how important it is um, to serve others. This foundation has been one of the greatest blessings to ever um, happen to me.
vaccination. The last two months have brought so much turmoil and devastation to Haiti. But a Kansas City surgeon with ties to the country says there are brighter days ahead too. Aftermath of a natural disaster that killed more than 2,000 people. I had no idea of the extensive uh, power of an earthquake. Dr. Ted Higgins has been providing health care in Haiti for 40 years. Back home at his Prairie Village Church, he told me about his most recent trip, working with his local team to mend wounds and broken bones. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Crush injuries from last month's 7.2 magnitude quake. It was more emotional than usual for me because usually it's, it's a matter of just going down and operating, but this was a different trip altogether. Haiti is also home to his Higgins Brothers Surgery Center for Hope, which trains doctors and nurses. Patients pay what they can. All I want to do is provide this little area an opportunity. I'm reading from a letter from our mission partners serving the U.S.-Mexico border. 2020 was the deadliest year this century for persons crossing the U.S.-Mexico border seeking opportunities that many of our ancestors sought, and 2021 may be even deadlier. Two weeks ago, we added 25 crosses at our weekly Healing Our Borders prayer vigil, each one representing the life of a son, a daughter, a mother, a spouse and dying in Cochise County. There is a strong presence of God in each person who comes seeking refuge in the team of volunteers. And we continue forward united in prayer and in action. At the border in the DR, in Haiti, in Kenya, you are bearing witness to the love of God. You're pointing to a better day, a, a promised day. I'm grateful for the ministry you make happen there. And it changes people's lives. But there's something else that happens in that relationship as well. It changes us. Because when you learn to see the gospel from the perspective of the world, changes us. And if you've been on any of these trips or a trip like them, you probably can name people. You probably can remember moments when the love of God seems so palpable and so clear that it changed you for good. You can no doubt name those people. I know I can. Those who have inspired us to live toward God's promised day. One of my earliest international trips was to Nicaragua. I traveled to a beautiful mountain village called Hikaro. It's The people were really simple there. I think the five of us in my delegation, we were, we were the only ones with shoes. The people there, they raised their chickens, they grew their coffee, sold a little bit, and they went to church. We went to church all the time. Small places like that, they're usually peaceful places. An argument can break out, maybe even a fight, but they don't have the power to cause war. But when war breaks out, it finds small places like that, and they suffer that which they cannot make on their own. And it was true in Hickaro. I met Maria Blandone. 
She had just buried her son, who was a coffee farmer. He was out tending the crop and stepped on a landmine, and it killed him. Our, the delegation invited me and, I mean, Maria invited the delegation, including myself, to her modest home. We went by and saw that she had prepared her table to feed us, and she greeted us and hugged each of us. And I was a little taken aback. I didn't quite know how to process this because our nations were fighting each other. I, I, I said, I, I may have helped pay for that landmine. And she said, yes. But they said that you were followers of Jesus Christ. That means we are family. And she hugged me again. It was an exhibition of the kingdom of heaven to the world. It was a glimpse of the way life can be. There she stood as a grieving mother, heartbroken because of the way the world is, and she showed us what the power of God's love can do to remake this world. That's the calling. He said, I've given you everything I have to give. I want you to love one another, but I want you to love the world, to know that the world is loved by God, to be an exhibition of the promised day of God to the world. It's more than a little intimidating. And if you feel inadequate, you should. We should. But we try, and sometimes... We get it right, and it matters. Sometimes we get it exactly right, and it always matters. I've seen it. I bet you have to. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.